Welcome back to Herald Review Outside the Box Podcast. I'm sports reporter Joey Wagner with sports editor Justin Kahn and MacArthur boys basketball coach Ron Ingram. Ron, Justin and I were talking before this. Like, we talk to you a lot. We, we know mm-hmm. you pretty well, but we don't know a lot about your past and your background. How, mm-hmm. how did you get into coaching and, and basketball? Well, I got into coaching out in, in uh, California. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, I know a guy by the name of Brad Davis. used to play for the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. Uh, it rings a bell. Yeah, he didn't play much. Didn't play much. <laughs> no. But uh, he uh, uh, kind of introduced me to coaching. Um, I went out there to actually follow my girlfriend to California. You know, I, I uh, didn't. I wanted to play basketball. I was at a, a, a little junior college called San Jose City College. So uh, I'm there thinking I'm the best guy there. You know, I can shoot the basketball, shoot the basketball from Peoria, Maine. I'm the toughest guy out here. I'm better than all these California guys. That's what I'm thinking until they came to the gym. You know, <laughs> a little little five foot five Filipino guy came in there, and I'm thinking he's their leading scorer. I'm taller than him, and I know I'm better than him. But he made me realize all I can do is shoot the basketball. I couldn't dribble left hand. I couldn't pull up with a jump shot. I couldn't do anything like that. You know, so I'm I'm really getting like discouraged. I'm thinking, man. So um, there's a park in California called Washington Park. It's in Sunnyvale, California. That's where like a lot of good basketball players come. They come from Vegas, Washington. You know, they just come from all kind of places playing basketball. And that's where I met Brad Davis at. But before I met him. And there were some kids over here just playing. So I'm looking at them thinking, man, I can teach this guy how to do something. So I'm, I'm over there working with the kids while, I'm, while I'm, work, work, waiting on my game to come, working with these kids, working with these kids. So he came to me, and he was talking to me. And he's uh, uh, t- seeing what I was doing. He said, you work with, good with the kids and stuff like that. And, uh, but at the time, I'm thinking, this is Brad Davis. I know this guy. I seen him play with Mark McGuire on the Dallas Mavericks. I'm watching him play. I'm like, no, he didn't. So <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, once he saw me play, you know, he exchanged numbers. I'm thinking he about to maybe give me a try for the Dallas Mavericks. That's what I'm thinking, right? Nope. <laughs> he wanted me to coach his nieces, not not nephews. He wanted me to coach his nieces in the sixth grade. You know, you know. I'm like, oh my god. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. You know. So that's how I got started coaching. And um, and then I got offered a, a job at a, at a company called Lockheed. So I, you know, I kind of got in trouble at the, the college I was at. So he said, well. You got to sit out. You can still go to school, but you got to sit out this year of basketball. I'm like, man, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to school. I, I just want to play basketball. You know, that was my thinking, but that was the worst thing I could have did because I took that job back in like the 80s. You know, you get offered a job paying 17 bucks an hour, you know, at 21 years old. You're thinking, okay, I can do this. And then I can go over here and coach these kids. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. So that's what I did. And so, but by meeting him, uh, uh, it led me to meet other people like Tyra Vanderveer. I don't know, I don't know if you guys heard of her. She's a Stanford coach back then. She was a Stanford ba- women's basketball coach. Great coach. You know, started working for her camps. Uh, he introduced me to Jerry Tarkanian uh, at the time at UNLV and then Stan Morrison. He was at that time coaching at um, uh, San Jose State uh, College. And so they kind of let, started letting me work these camps and work these camps. But, you know, working at the camp at uh, UNLV, that was a different kind of camp. It, it, you know, you work them camps. You know, kids are learning how to dribble and shoot at every other camp. Nope, not at UNLV. He, his favorite thing was, let's go, let's run, we got to go. And that means when you get the ball, go. He was teaching kids fast break basketball up and down the court. So I'm thinking, wow, okay. So I'm thinking, man, so that made me really want to be a coach after going work in his camp. And then you go to Tara Vanderveer's camp, she's got the control thing going on, just pass, pass, shoot, pass, pass, shoot. I'm thinking, okay, because in California, 
that's the type of basketball they played. It wasn't run and gun. It was run and shoot, run and shoot. Something I always called it run and gun until I went out there and met those guys. And so that's how I really got into basketball. And I, I met some great people along the way. Uh, you know, uh, Coach Montgomery, he used to coach at uh, Cal and, and Stanford and uh, he used to coach the NBA at, at for Golden State Warriors at one time. So I met some uh, good people out in California while I was while I was out there. So that's how I got into coaching. Now you played at Manual though. Played at Manual. Yes. When, when I, uh, if you don't mind me asking, yeah. what years was what years were those? I played from '76 uh, to '79. Okay. Yeah, for a coach fan, and, and um, we played against people like Mark McGuire and, and uh, uh, Isaiah Thomas. You know, he was at St. Joe's, and um, I had a friend of mine named Johnny Washington. I thought he was the best basketball player ever. You know, I, I, I seen him get 30 on Isaiah Thomas, and then I seen Isaiah Thomas get drafted. I'm thinking, man, my friend, you know, <laughs> he, he ate that guy up one day, man. You know, but he, he played for Western Illinois at that time. Uh, my buddy Johnny did, and he fell and broke his tailbone, and um, and he was he was just out. So he, he, he just gave up basketball. Basketball just gave it up. So, so you went to California. Now I remember when we did the shot clock story. Mm -hmm. we, we called you and you yep. talked about that experience in California. Yep. Mm -hmm. We'll come back to that. But like, how, how did you come back to, to Illinois and Central Illinois? Um, when after about oh man about maybe twenty years, um, my daughter got really sick in Peoria. So uh, and they called me and told me she didn't have have long to, to live. So I came back to hang out with her, and um, she was just laying in bed, and she said, Dad, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here longer than the doctor say. you got to stay here with me. So I said, I'm going to be here as long as they, you, you want me to be here. So um, she ended up living another five years. So I promised her I would be there. And so instead of me taking her back to California, I uh, actually stayed in Peoria, and then that's when Manuel hired me, and, you know, it just went from there. Now, how long were you? At, so, so you started coaching at Manual at that at that time. Mm -hmm. What yep. was what was? How did that come about? Well, first um, I got in touch with Wayne McLean, and then uh, I said, "Man, I'm, I'm you know, I, I was coaching in California. I moved back here. You know, I miss coaching. I want to I want to continue coaching." So he gave me a phone number of the middle school that he used to coach at, which was called Blaine Sumner Middle School, and so I started coaching there. Started coaching the uh, the. 7th, 8th grade boys, 7th, 8th grade girls, and they were feeding into Manual High School. And so at that time, um, a coach by the name of Johnson came from and took Wayne McLean's spot when he went to Illinois. So I was feeding kids into him, feeding kids into him, so then they wanted me to coach at the high school level. But he ended up leaving, Johnson did, and uh, coach, oh, coach Booth, before Coach Booth, there was another coach there. Um, but he didn't want me on his staff. But then there was a lady there coaching girls basketball. Her name is Janelle McLeod, but she was Janelle Polk when she was playing for University of Illinois. She was holding all kinds of records, blocking shots, scoring records, everything. So she was a girls coach there. So she hired me on as the um, uh, girls JV coach. So um, And so from there, uh, I coached there and coached there, and then I went to the boys' side and when, Derek, when Coach Booth took the job. So that's how I got that manual. And in the pure area, Derek Booth is very highly regarded for for just the person he is, the, the type of coach he was. What did you? What was it like coaching with him? I mean, he. I don't think there's anybody who's going to say a bad thing about the guy. You really can't. I mean, the worst thing I said about him was. When he say practice over at six o'clock, you're there at seven. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. So, and I think I get that from him now. I tell my boys all the time, we're gonna go from three thirty to five thirty. But you see, I'm just not getting out of practice coming over here, you know. So, but uh, work, working with him was just like just like that. Just working with him. You're never working for Derek Booth. You're actually working with him. You know. I mean, he he's like a mad scientist. He'll go into a room, come back out. He have all the stuff laid out, paperwork for all the coaches. You know, he was just real professional about what he did, um, scheduling everything scheduling practices, 
sending out schedule, schedules to parents and, you know, every, everything was professional with that guy. And uh, so uh, working for him was just like working with him. It, it, was, a, it was the greatest experience that, I, that I've had, you know. So it made me realize um, leaving to be a head coach, I miss working with him as an assistant coach. Now you also uh, officiate. Then mm -hmm. now you don't officiate anymore, correct? Or yes, I do. You still do yeah, officiate. Okay. Yes, I do. Uh, tell me, how did you get into that? Um, um, Wayne McLean, <laughs> actually, uh, they, they, he was running a, um, a basketball. It wasn't a camp and it wasn't a, a tournament, but he had some teams coming. So he asked me, um, "Do I do that? Did I want a uh, referee?" I'm like, "I've never refereed before in my life." So he introduced me to a guy um, that's been a referee for a long time in Peoria, and. Um, his name is uh, Mr. Watson. I don't know if you remember know him. He's like he's been a scorekeeper for Manuel for like 50 years, you know. So he's it was also a good referee. So he starts showing me how to referee, and then uh, so that's when I started refereeing. And what time? When was this? This was in I started refereeing in it had to be right around 95, 96. Okay, so um, boys and girls, or what? What else? No, you... I'm sorry, I take that back. It was 0506. Okay, 0506. Yeah, okay, 0506. Yep. And so, what? What boys and girls basketball? What all do you? It was most. It was now I do both, but mostly back then it started off just boys. Start off boys, and so like I was at um, like I like right now I do during the season I do grade school basketball. Okay. You know, middle school, grade school basketball. Like I was just in Effingham. Uh, they had a tournament over the weekend, so after I left our game. In Danville Saturday, I went to Effingham to referee some basketball, <laughs> oh, and, and that was brutal. That was brutal. So, yeah, but uh, but I, I like it. You know, it keeps me going a little bit. And and I, I always say that all coaches should ref a game, but all referees should coach a game. You know, that, and that's why you really hardly ever see me yelling and screaming at referees because I referee. You know, so that's why. I wanted to ask, what do you think the current state of officiating is? I mean, it feels like. There's not a lot of gyms that they're very well liked in, but for the most part, I think maybe a lot of people don't know what they're yelling about. Like, well, how do you evaluate officials? In, in I, you said it right. I think a lot of people don't know what they're yelling about. Uh, even some coaches don't know what they're yelling about because <laughs> a lot of the coaches don't read those rule books. You know, I'm I'm just when it comes to basketball and those rule books, I'm a nerd. I I'll read them. I'll read them. And my my, my staff asks me all the time, "Why are you reading that? Just just go <laughs> through that." You know, but I'll just read it every year. And uh, and and fans, I never. I don't um, yell at fans about what they say to referees because they don't know what three seconds is sometimes. They don't know when the, every time the ball goes up, the three-second shot, you know, it, it starts over, the count starts over. So they don't know a lot of stuff, you know. So you really can't be mad at fans because fans are going to be fans. You know, they're not referees. They're not coaches. And then um, as far as referees, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. Um, they don't lose basketball games for you. You know, we, we, we miss layups. We have the 20 turnovers, you know, so we don't run the offense right. We miss the shots. So we, we didn't play the right defense. And, and do we make bad calls? Yes. And do we miss calls? Yes, we do. But at the same time, uh, you can't fault the referee for a, a losing basketball game. So you've never had a fan get to you? Yes, I have. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, I have. I was refereeing an AAU turn. Those, those are the worst terms of ref. You know, it's just cutthroat basketball, and you got cutthroat fans. You know, so um, I was refereeing a game one time, and a lady told me this. I, I'm, I'm the referee out here. I'm the head, of ref, head referee, and this guy right here, he's a trail referee. So he sees all the action underneath the basket. I'm watching the action up there by the top of the key three-point line. Kid getting elbowed down there. I don't see it, but I'm standing by the lady, by the kid's mom, and she says, "Look, Mr. Referee, <laughs> if my daughter get elbowed one more time, I'm gonna come out there and elbow you." I'm like, "Oh my God!" So <laughs> I'm thinking. So now these people are all from Chicago. So now she's going. So now I got like ten people back here, all going, just ready to come at me. 
I'm nervous. I'm scared. That was the last AU basketball game I refereed. I said, I'll never go back to AU basketball ever again. Oh Give God. me the fifth graders. Give them to me. Give them to me. <laughs> well, I mean, but I know from having kids, uh, you'll see it at that age level too, parents getting on. I, yeah, officials. I do. I, I do. I do. And uh, and I don't know if you, uh, I know you know Jason Crutcher. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, I, we, he's, he, now he probably won't tell you, but he, he's a good official. He's a good official. Sure, yeah. Yeah, he's a referee with me like 20 years ago when we first started. He's refereed me also. It was nothing for him to throw a fan out. I'm telling you. <laughs> I've seen him throw a whole section out. He went over there and said, you and all of you, get out. <laughs> you know, so Jason Crutcher was, he was, but he was a good referee, man. He's a tough referee, man. So, um, you know, so it's, it's crazy. Even at that level, fifth grade, sixth grade level, Fans are yelling. Fans are yelling. But Crutcher was one of those guys that he just didn't care. <laughs> he did not care. <laughs> We've talked about that before. Sometimes I wonder why you don't see more officials throw fans out. But then mm-hmm. I don't know if sometimes they don't feel like that, that falls on the athletic director or, or some or you know a principal. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, as a ref, how? I mean, do you? Is that something that you feel comfortable doing? Or no, I don't. I don't. I've, cause I've seen the referees throw fans out and, and get cussed out the worst way ever. You know. So, but you know, when, once you do it for a long time, you just learn to have deaf ears to fans. Yeah. Because, like I said before, they just don't know basketball. They don't know basketball. Uh, there, there was a judge in, in Bloomington. I don't want to say his name, but there was a judge in Bloomington <laughs> came after me one game. I'm refereeing the game. He's sitting there. He's screaming and yelling. I'm like, man, who is this guy yelling? I mean, and when the other referee said, well. That's his son out there. You're not making him call. I said, man, you're not making him calls. You know? <laughs> you know, so you make the calls down there. So, but this guy was yelling and screaming and told me I was never referee in Bloomington again. This and that. And I mean, he was going off. And then they finally told me, yeah, he was a, he's a judge. And I'm like, I said, but he, he doesn't have a right to yell at me this way. I mean, he can be a judge all he wants to, but I'm judging him right now. And I'm, I don't feel right about him right now. So, but yeah, we get it a lot. We get it a lot. I think you hit it on the head when you said, you know, if you've been doing it a long time, you know how to tone mm-hmm. it out. And, and we kind of discovered in talking to officials, especially the younger ones, they just don't get paid enough to want to right. deal with that. Like, right. do, do you kind of see where some of these young, you've done it for a while, you know how to handle it, but mm-hmm. it's a tough thing to handle if you're, if you're a younger person. Do you understand why they're kind of saying, no, I, I'm done here? Yes, I do. I really do understand that because you don't, referees are not appreciated enough. You know, they're, you're getting yelled at by thousands of fans, and then you got, these days, you got smart mouth players these days and then you got young coaches that really don't know they're learning the game so they don't know how to tone it back they don't know how to just say talk to a referee instead of yelling referee because a lot of referees if you talk to them they'll listen to you but when you get to yelling at them they they they, they really can't hear you but they hear you but but they're just boiling inside right now so at, at the end of the day they're going to sit down shut up tee you up something so you know you've got to learn how to talk to referees now, you mentioned Jason Crutcher, and mm-hmm. uh, he was obviously the connection that, that brought you yes. uh, to MacArthur. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about, you know, that time. I remember it, it was a little bit late, you know, in the game a little bit. And, and uh, how did it come about that uh, you and Jason started talking about it and you decided to put him for the job? Well, there, there was another guy uh, from Decatur that they really wanted to hire, but he didn't go to the interview. And um, and I don't want to say his name, but he didn't, want, he didn't go to the interview. So that's really why he called me. And he said, well, I know you love Manuel, and it's going to be hard to get you from there, but I want you to come and apply for this job. He didn't tell me I had the job. He said, I want you to come and apply for the job. And I said, man, I don't want to leave Manuel. 
I, I don't leave Coach Booth. I mean, I got a good thing going right here, man. I'm, you know, I was really next in line for the job at Manuel High School, but I didn't think he was going to ever leave. You know, something. Okay, I'll, I'll go apply. I went and talked to Coach Booth about it. I went and talked to Coach Van. I don't even remember who Coach Van is. Coach Van Sire, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was my coach back in high school. Sure. Went and talked to him about it. He said, "Man, it'll be a great opportunity. It, it'll prepare you for other jobs. You know, get, you know, go go through the interview process, just and that." Something. Okay, I'll do it. And not knowing that I would get the job, you know, I really didn't know I'd get the job. And so I came and I, I gave a pretty good interview. Gave a good interview and in front of some good people. And then, um, uh, then he uh, he they hired me. They hired me. No. You said you didn't think Coach Booth would leave less than, what, three years, I think? After he you left here. after three years, yeah. Did, did sure you feel did. a pull to, to apply to go back to Manuel? I mean, they, they called me. They, they tried to get me to come back. and um, So I went and talked to Crutcher about it, and I went to talk to uh, Tyrese Bryson about it, and, and Amir Brummett. And then, yeah, and, and, and uh, sat down and had a long talk with Amir and, and my little nephew, Keenan Ingram, and, and he didn't he, he didn't want to go back. Keenan didn't want to go back. Uh, my fiance, um, you know, she had got a good job here at the, at the hospital. She didn't really want to go back. She was torn. She wanted to go back because, you know, her family's there, but she didn't want to go back. Um, I got a granddaughter here that's going to school here at MacArthur. She wanted to stay at MacArthur. Um, Tyrese Bryson really was the one. He was really he was the one. Uh, him and Jason Crutch, we sat down and we talked, and and Crutch was like, "Man, you know, it's not like we want you to go. You, you're, you're good here. We want you to stay here." Um, uh, Tyrus Bryson was like one of the saddest people at that time. Like he he didn't want me to go, and I and I felt bad that if I leave. I'm, I'm leaving Tyrese Bryson because when I got the job, I asked Jason Crutcher, "Does Tyrese Bryson live in this town still?" He said, "Yes." I said, "I want him on my staff." You know, so I, I, I and I didn't know anything about him coaching. I just knew about him playing. And I was living in California. I used to watch him play all the time at Illinois State. And then um, I, I mean, I watched him towards Purdue for 38. You know, so <laughs> but uh, but I've always liked how he played. And uh, so I, I knew the people here liked him. So I figured if I get him here, maybe he'll maybe get some players here. You know, because you know people love him that much. So we I, I brought him with me. and We've been together since day one. So I didn't want to leave him behind. And uh, and if I knew for sure that that he would get the job if I left, I would have left. I would have left. But he told me then he wasn't ready to be a head coach. And he's ready. Tyrese Bryson's ready to be a head coach, I'm telling you right now. And maybe at, the, at another level. He, he can coach college basketball. I really believe he can. Yeah. Yeah, but he don't, he don't, he, he'll tell you all the time, I'm not ready to go, I'm not ready to go, I'm not ready to be a head coach. He's ready to be a head coach. He really is. And, um, uh, but uh, I didn't want to leave him. I didn't want to leave him. So, and then Amir told me, he said, Coach, if, if you go, I quit. You know, I, I don't want you to go. But I knew he wouldn't quit. I knew he wouldn't quit. He loves basketball. He loves basketball. So he said, you call Purity and tell him you're not coming. You know, that, was, that was Amir, man. So, you know, that, that made me feel welcome, made me feel like I wanted to stay. And, you know, a lot of people to this very day tell me you should have left and took that job. You know, people in Peoria tell me that. People in Decatur tell me the same thing. You know, I said, but, you know, I, I really started something here. Now I really want to finish something here. I, I truly have a goal here. You know, and my goal is always to win the first game of the year and win the last game of the year. You know, so that means if you win the last game of the year, that means you won state. You know, so that that's always my goal. At least try to get MacArthur to state. I, I find it. Oh, I'm sorry. I no, find it ahead. interesting that for the three of us who know the Amir and really Armand pretty well, it's mm-hmm. not really a surprise that you talk to Amir to me at least. Mm-hmm. But maybe people who don't know Amir would be surprised to hear that he was one of those core three people you talked to why what is it about him that, that it was so important that you talked to him before he um, made his choice? because because the relationship that me and him built from day one because he's been on, when I got the job um, I brought him on varsity with me right away he, he was on varsity I brought his brother too but his brother um, 
did some things and made I made I, you know I took him back off varsity. But uh, me and Amir has been together since you know me Amir and and Bryson. We've been together since day one. So uh, he uh, and 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 I was shocked that he said what he said. I was I was surprised more just like everybody. I was surprised because you know it wasn't always the best relationship with me and Amir. You know I'm always get out. Forget you, coach. You know, you know, other words, but you know, you know, stuff like that. You know, I would kick him out for weeks. I kicked him out for a whole summer one time. You know, you know, but so I'm, you know, and then people tell me, well, you may say he don't like you. I said, but I love him. You know, he he just he likes me. He just don't like the things I'm doing. He don't like the discipline I'm doing. So, but at the end of the day, um, I remember that last game. You know, he gave me a big hug, and I heard I felt a teardrop. You know, feel a teardrop come from his face down my face. You know, so you know, he he was he, he was my guy. I, I love him here, Brummie. That's awesome. Now, when you first got to when you, when when Crutcher first talked to you about the job, what did you know about MacArthur basketball? Did you know or, or Decatur even? I, I knew about Decatur basketball. I, I knew Dallas McLean. I knew um, Kimonte Johnson because um, when I was refereeing, there was a thing called AYBT, uh-huh. and they played in it. So I knew about them. And, but I didn't know anything else. I knew Rodney Walker could jump out the gym. <laughs> now, that's all I knew. I knew Tyrese Bryson. That's all I knew. I knew Dave Kreps. You know, sure, Robo, from AYBT, right? Yeah, yeah. Robo Kreps. I knew them guys. And um, but I didn't know much about basketball, so I started looking stuff up. You know, MacArthur basketball, MacArthur basketball. And um, you know, I really couldn't find a lot about MacArthur basketball. But um, the stuff I did find out, I, I knew there were some good players in Decatur. I knew that. There's a lot of people sleep on players indicator. They don't think there's basketball players here. They're wrong. They're wrong. You know, we, we have to do something to take it to another level, but there's some good basketball players in the, in the city of Decatur. So I really didn't know much about it at all. When you first got, when you first saw the team, I mean, mm-hmm. I would think you were pleasantly surprised with, with, with <laughs> I was. yeah, I mean, there's some good, because like you said, yeah. there are good players in this program. Yes, yes, I really was. You know, I, I met Kamari Jones and, and uh, uh, oh, yeah. Cortez Bonds and, and um, uh, Spates, you know, and, yeah. and the other Bonds, and you know, I just had a night. Uh, Brummett, I had a uh, Khalil Brummett was Brummett's uncle sure, at the yeah. time, you know. And then the two Brummets came, and so we we had a really nice team. I'm thinking, man, we don't have any six, seven, six, eight kids, but I got a bunch of six threes, you know, so I can do something with that, you know. So uh, that that was one of the best teams I've ever had. That that team right there was one of the best teams. They were very well coached, you know. It's like it was a good fit for me, you know. It's like most times you could. Um, you, you think you got a, a, a good fit, but it just don't feel right. You know, it's just like, you're, you know, but that team, it felt right. It, everything felt right about that team. They played good defense. They played together. They all hung out together. They loved each other. There was no arguing. You know, it's like and when they did, they fixed it. I didn't have to fix it. They fixed it. With these teams I've got now, we've got to fix it as coaches. But that team, they, they fixed everything themselves. When you talk about Tyrese, uh, it, it, it's similar to Peoria. I think Decatur, in terms of like bigger cities, does a really good job of, of kind of holding those former players on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. those players garner respect even years after they played. Were you surprised to see that when you got here? And is that similar to Peoria in that way? It, it's similar in a way, um, but it's like, it's like the Peoria guys will play 24 hours a day if they have to. If they can get a gym or, or outside, that's, that's where they're going. If you go to Peoria right now, cold as it is, you will see some kids out there with a basketball, with a coat on, out there shooting. You know, um, even, even though they got these all these games and NBA lives and everything like that, the, the Peoria kids will put that down to go play basketball somewhere. You know, so that that's the only difference in yeah. Decatur and, and Peoria. You know, but like I said, Peoria, Decatur has some good basketball players, good basketball players. 
how do you get to the cater? I mean, and, and, and I guess it's tough for you because by the time they get to you, they've needed to have been doing that, you know, from the beginning. But you know, what what does the cater have to do to get to be like Peoria and get kids out and, and playing all the time? Um, a lot, of, a lot of times it has to do with the parents. The parents are going to have to just start kicking them kids out the house and making them go play basketball, you know. Like uh, sometimes we will have the gym open. Even now we'll open the gym on Sundays, and it's not mandatory for, to come, but only four will come, you know. So we're wondering what happened to the other 11, you know, or the JV guys or something, you know. So there's always something. Well, my mom said I couldn't come. My mom said I had to do this. My mom said I had to do that. I got to babysit. I got and, and not taking away from that day. If they have to, they have to. But I tell my guys, if you got a babysitter, bring the kids. Just bring them. They can sit down and watch you play basketball, work on your game, work on your shooting. They can do that. So um, it has a lot to do with at the stuff at home. If, the, if, that, if that gets right, because we got a lot of kids here that can probably go play college basketball, you know, if they put the time into it. Like, like R.J. Walker, he puts the time in. You know, it, there's not a day in that hot gym down there on El Dorado where you, if you go to any day, you will see him in there sweating, sweating, sweating. Shooting, shooting, dribbling, dribbling, running, boxing, lifting weights, all kind of stuff. He put he. That's why he's doing what he's doing now because he puts time into the basketball game. One of the things I've grown to appreciate, I mean, since I've learned MacArthur is just I, I, I like them, and not anything against any other coaching staff, but you guys are very caring and like family-oriented coaching staff, and mm -hmm. I think we learned that a lot when we talked to Derek Spades. Mm -hmm. Was that something that you were drawn to? Like, did you notice that immediately when you got there? That kind of that student first, that athlete first type thing, and did you like that? Obviously, I, I, I did like it. I did like it, and and, and that you mentioned Derek Spates. Um, really, it was because of him. He really just kind of took me and my nephew under his wing. You know, it's like, okay, I'm gonna show you this, show you this, tell you about this person, that person. Um, told me where to go eat. I mean, just just like everything, man. So um, from day one, Derek Spates and his 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 uncle uh, Tommy, um, they they've just been like really cool with me. And uh, so I'm like, wow. Then I seen how he was with his football players. I've seen him just get into their bus, get into their bus. I'm thinking, man, that kid's going to quit. He's not coming back. But the next day, him and Coach Space walking down the hall, you know, hugging each other, getting, you know, rubbing heads. I'm like, man, look at this, man. This is cool right here, man. So, um, you know, I, I've seen that with them guys. And I'm thinking, okay, we, this can work for me then. Because my coach, Coach Van, told me, I said, man, I don't know if they're going to like me, like my personality. He said, man, after two weeks, those kids are going to like you. They're going to like you. Because of how you are and the type of person you are, they're gonna like you, you know. So I said, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a try. So yeah, Derek Spates, um, he 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 uh, showed me a lot when I got here. You mentioned that your personality and and that's something, Julian. I actually it was funny we were talking about that before you came in. Is that, I mean. Like like you mentioned, you don't yell at the refs. You're just a really nice guy and, and really personable and fun to talk to. I mean, that was the first time I met you. I remember going, man, I really like this new McCarver coach. <laughs> every and every writer that, that has come, you know, since me has been, I really like Coach okay. Ingram. And, and is that just kind of how you've always been, or, or I, I, I have? And and Coach Van's always been that way. You know, I, I used to see him just. The worst thing I've ever seen him do, and he never cussed. You know, he just the worst thing he ever said was "damn it to hell." No, that's all he ever said. You know, and uh, I've seen him to a referee one time. He he just like oh baloney and just threw his hand up, and that was it. But other than that, he he never yelled at referee. Um, when I first started coaching, he he uh, um, he saw me. He saw me coach. He didn't like what he saw. I I mean I jumped up, yelled at a referee. I mean I'm screaming. 
you got to be kidding me, and blah, 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 you know. And uh, so he said, that's not good, Ronnie. And he called me Ronnie. He said, that's not good, Ronnie. I, I can't believe you did that. You know, I don't know where you get that from. Who, who, who are you watching to do something like that, you know? So he, he brought me down to earth, man. He brought me down to earth. And so I'm like, man, that's right. I've never seen him do that. And even Wayne McClain, you know, he might get into referees, but he had the respect for referees, and referees respected him. Right. Now, have you ever uh, got a technical? Um, yeah, but it wasn't one of those technicals where I'm yelling and screaming at the referee. It was something stupid, like uh, not having the right number in the book. You know? Oh, right. <laughs> something real stupid, you know. And, and, that, and that's, that's a worse feeling than, than yelling at a referee. It really is, man. Because now I feel really stupid, like, golly, I didn't do that, man. So now I'm blaming I'm blaming on the guy that scores. It was his fault. He did it, you know, but trying to get everybody thinking it wasn't me. But it was me. It was me, yeah. <laughs> Now, last year you had the health scare at the game. Mm -hmm. um, it, I just want to ask you, how, how are you feeling? How's everything with your health? Um, everything's better. As a matter of fact, I just went to the doctor about two weeks ago, and uh, he told me, he said, well, you know what, you're doing better, so that's not, I, that's not making another appointment for another year. So I'm thinking, okay, that's great, that's great. So, yeah, er everything's getting better, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting my weight back and, uh, you know, getting my strength back and everything. So, uh, but, you know, those last two years was stressful for me, man. It was stressful for me um, dealing with the type of players we had and, uh, you know, trying to make sure we win games and we were losing basketball games the last year at the beginning going 7-7. Seven and seven And, you know, so that was stressful, you know, having parents, you know, um, saying, you know, get him back to Peoria, get him out of here, you know, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, so we, I, I was going through that and, um, you know, so I didn't know how to take that. You know, because in Peoria, you know, we you really didn't lose a lot, but when you did lose, um, fans wasn't always on you. You know, it wasn't on you. Like, get him out of here. He don't. I don't want him as a coach. It wasn't doing that. So, I, I went through that here at MacArthur. So the stress came. You know, so that's what the doctors kept telling me. You're just stressing. You got to quit stressing. So if you got to get rid of something you love to stop stressing, you got to do that. Something. And shoot, I love basketball. I'm not gonna get rid of that right now. You know. So you know, but. Um, so that's, that's what it was. That was just a lot of stress going on in my life. And, but now I can handle it. Cause I still got parents now, you know, saying, saying stuff like that. You know, hey, get him out of here. He, yeah, get him out of here, man. But, you know, I, I, I still learn to love those parents, though. And you know, my daddy told me a long time ago, if, uh, if there's 100 people in the room and 99 of them hated you, but one of them liked you, you got to concentrate on that one person. But you still got to love those 99 people. Now, when that happened, I mean, the health scare kind of, you know, the stress is one thing, but when it, your health is impacted, mm -hmm. did you kind of question if you wanted to, to do this anymore, to be a yeah. coach? And, I mean, yeah, I did. It kind of changes a lot, doesn't I, it? I did, I did. I, I thought to myself, this, this is going to be my last year. I st I, as a matter of fact, I told myself, if I go through this again next year, I'm going to quit. Yeah, because I, I I really didn't want to go through that with the with the heart issue and the the, the, the ulcers. You know, I, I didn't want to keep going through that. So uh, I did tell myself, if I get sick again like that, I'm going to give it up. Was that a tough thing to come to grips with? It was, but you know, my fiance is always there by my side, and, and you know, she was once she was okay with it, and and uh, and she's turning to be a good coach herself. You know, she don't like basketball, but she loves MacArthur basketball. You know, <laughs> she she bleeds blue now. You know, she went to Manual too, but when I was coaching Manual, she probably went to two games in ten years, but now she won't miss a game. Won't miss a game. She'll call off work and go to a game now. So and, and she'll call me and say, "Well, I think you need to run this boy more. You need to run this play a little bit more." I said, you don't know about a play. Don't tell me about a play. You know? But uh, she's always by my side, and and she um she actually talked me out of not quitting. 
you know, she did. She, you know, she started, you know, she's into this health stuff. So she started making the right kind of tea for me, you know, stop stop eating this, start eating that. You know, I'm like, but I like this. You know, I like this. You know, but if you want to live longer and, live, and coach longer, you will eat this. So, you know, just stuff like that, giving up sugar and drinking water all the time, you know. So she got me on a, on a, on a nice diet now. I'm used to it now, so. Have you had to come up with, I guess, ways to deal with the stress of coaching i mean because mm-hmm. you're always going to have that you know yeah, i mean i guess yeah. it's, you know no matter what that's kind of always going to be there have you had to come up with ways to deal with yes that? i have actually i did and uh, i used to think about it and she used to make me write stuff down that um that was kind of stressful and because you know you you cause a lot of stress, stress on yourself up before other people will so i'm thinking man you're right so i started writing stuff down that i was doing um like like losing a game you know sometimes i go home and after losing a game i'm looking at film for like four or five hours after the game, thinking, okay, how we lose? Okay, we did this, we did that. Golly, I can't believe, you know, stuff like that, you know. So I, I've, I've learned to tone that down. I learned to tone that down. Um, you know, stop spending, instead of spending 24 hours with basketball, I learned to spend 16 hours with basketball. You know, so it's just stuff like that. And I, I know that uh, if, I'm, if I'm having a bad day, I know that if I go to basketball practice, I'm not going to take it out on that kid just because we lost because I'm having a bad day now. I'm just going to move on from it. So there's a lot of stuff that I've, I've learned to deal with and, and, and start doing it to take care of my stress. I really quickly want to talk with you about the shot clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, you know, obviously the debate of it should be in high school in Illinois. You, you dealt with it in California. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on it, and do you see a developing need for it? I I, I do. You know, Even though people um, hate it when I run stall, they hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of my fans hate it too, man. I, I did it in the game a couple of games ago, and I heard a lady say, man, I hate it when they do this. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? I think I knew who that lady was too. Man. I would have talked to her later on. But, um, yeah, but I, I like the shot clock. I really do because there's things you can do with that shot clock in basketball. And, um, I mean, so, like, like for instance, when we had a 30-second shot clock out there, the last two minutes, I like stalling with the last two minutes. So what I would do is stall until the last, to like, seven seconds left on the shot clock and then run a set play. So there's a lot of things you can do with that. Um, and it also help the other team, like, like, a, like a team that's, like, maybe, you know, averaging 40 points a game and another team that's averaging 70-some points a game. You don't want this team to keep stalling, so this team won't get his, get their forty. You know, you know. I, I know. You know that might sound crazy from a coach. You just want to beat everybody by a lot of points. But um, you know, I, I still want that other team not to feel so embarrassed. You know, that's just me. Right. I just, you know, a lot of coaches won't say that, but I, that's just me. Well, and I think too, as a coach like you, who who really focuses on the defensive side and loves the defensive mm-hmm. side of the game, you uh, you know, you can get guys to play hard for 30 seconds mm-hmm. maybe a little easier than you can for two minutes or, or something I, I like agree. that. I agree. I definitely agree with that. You're right about that. Now, matter of fact, I watched the college game the other day, and I saw how a team did that. They, uh, for 15 seconds, they ran a zone. And then for the next 10 seconds, they their man-to-man just snapped. They just went out and started denying all over the court and, 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 and not and shadowing basketball, not letting that guy catch the basketball. I'm thinking, wow. That's why we need a 30-second shot clock. I can handle that. I love that kind of defense right there. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. That would be. That would be. Well, Ron, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I know you got a, a big game coming up on Friday against Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. We do. We Thanks do. for coming in and taking the time. I appreciate Thanks, you guys, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ron.